welcome to the Pelvic Health Podcast. I'm your host, Lori Forner, a physiotherapist working in pelvic health, as well as a new student researcher on the fun, long road to a PhD, where we will be looking at pelvic floor problems and exercise. I'm here to bring you information from leading professionals on all aspects surrounding pelvic health for any gender and any age, from the vast range of pelvic floor problems to exercise and sport. Remember our disclaimer, materials and content in this podcast are intended as general information only and should not be substituted for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We have a very special guest from Brisbane today. Her name's Kath Willis. Hi, Kath. Hi, Laurie. How are you? I'm good, thanks. So I didn't even warn you, but once I, when I did that intro, guess what? We're starting now. <laughs> Okay, that's good. (laughs) Okay, so can you give everybody a bit of a background as to who you are and what you do, and then we'll um, let everyone know what this podcast is about? Sure, okay. So um, I I went to university with my undergrad degree in Sydney and then eventually ended up living and working in Brisbane. And I've worked at the Marta Mothers Hospital and Logan Hospital and also a couple of private practices. And about six years ago, I travelled to Melbourne for a course called The Lactating Breast for Physiotherapists. And that was literally the first time that I'd heard that physiotherapists had anything at all to do with lactating breasts besides potentially owning them at some point in our lives I never realized that there was any sort of physiotherapy intervention that that actually assisted with lactation so attending that course was really interesting Um, I learned a lot from the presenter she's a Melbourne physio called Melinda Cooper and um, she's very inspiring she's involved in some research at the moment um, with a, a radiographer called Donna Geddes who's over in Perth and what they're hoping to do is to establish a a solid and reliable um, symptom assessment scale, which they've already done, and then that will lead on to further research into how different therapies can actually help with issues related to lactation. So you you went into the boob side of physio six years ago? Yes, that's right. Wow. See, I nobody nobody knows because unless they're friends with me, but kind of like how I've always called Alison Bryant the bum queen, you've always been my boob queen, but I didn't realize you've been doing that for so long. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was I I I was lucky enough, well, not lucky enough, but um I was I breastfed both my own children and always had a very positive view of of breastfeeding or lactation as the the healthiest option for for our children Um, and so yeah attending the course I really didn't know what I was going to learn but it gave me lots of great education and also lots of great skills and interventions for helping other women with breastfeeding difficulties. Is Melinda Cooper a physio? Yes, Melinda Cooper's a physio. She's actually um, originally from Queensland and attended University of Queensland, but then moved to Melbourne and has been down there for probably 25 years, 30 years working in private practice. Um, so she's she's really the, the guru of boobs. Wow. So just like pelvic floors, like a specialty side of women's health, then there's the whole boob side. That's right. That's right. And I think um, the, the, the growing belief or the growing um, 
the, the growing evidence is pointing to the fact that for, for women who are able to, for women breastfeeding their babies and, and or women lactating for their babies and babies who breastfeed from their mothers, that it's, it's not just a, a cheap and natural way to feed our babies, but it also has very positive and long-lasting effects on the health of the mother and the health of the child. And I think that at a time where we're looking at an, a, such a huge increase in the rates of chronic diseases that we really need to get back to basics and look at what we can do for our children and for ourselves from the very start of their lives. So so how does physio come into this then? Like how, does, how did physios get involved with working with women who have, what, do you call it a boob dysfunction? <laughs> boob dysfunction, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I like to call it. I like to call it um, inflammatory conditions of the breast. So rather than thinking about mastitis, which is a term that a lot of us have heard and some of us have experienced, but mastitis, you think, oh, infection, antibiotics. That's the only thing that's really going to fix this problem. But if you think of it as an inflammatory condition, like a sprained ankle, then there are actually lots of different ways that physios can be involved. So Melinda's own experience was that she had a, a very newly postnatal woman come to see her. I believe it was for pelvic floor dysfunction. Um, and the woman really couldn't focus on the content of the appointment because she was having some issues with mastitis. And she said she showed the area of her breast that was affected to Melinda, and Melinda put on her physiotherapy thinking cap and decided that, well, yes, this is, this is in, you know, um, inflamed tissue. Um, so what are the things that we would do if it was an acutely swollen ankle? So that's when she actually started to put together her her list of interventions and she actually used them some therapeutic ultrasound on this woman's breast and the woman noticed an almost immediate improvement in her symptoms. And so that's really what stirred Melinda's interest in the area that, that we could have such a positive impact. So really if you if you think about it on a scale of things, it it goes from a very very general intervention idea of being promoters of of positive health behaviour. So, as physios, and we tend to be quite good educators of our patients, but we can have an impact in letting people know that breastfeeding is the biological norm. There's nothing special. There's nothing lucky about being able to lactate and provide breast milk for your baby. It's what we should all be doing as the, the best nutrition for our children. So changing that mindset is one thing. Another thing is, for example, in our waiting rooms and practices or hospitals, having pictures of women lactating and babies breastfeeding is very supportive for, for, those, for those patients. Um, antenatal education, we can be including positions for um, lactating for our babies, for our babies to breastfeed in, um, which is more comfortable than just sitting on a hard wooden chair with a 90-degree angle at the hips. Um, and then, yeah, actually looking at some of the manual techniques. So that might involve discussing things like um, heat packs or cold packs with our patients and their use, um, 
definitely therapeutic ultrasound is something that can have a really great effect using kinesio tape using breast mobilization whether it's um, gentle lymphatic effleurage or even um, for example doing some massage through the pectoral muscles um, which can help with a lot of different conditions as well so how does this then apply to the cohort of people who have issues actually trying to lactate and breastfeed? Like do physios still have a role in that side of things? So are you talking about like women initially after birth who might have trouble with uh, with with starting or initiating um their, their lactation cycle. Yeah, like you were saying, like we want to support the education and awareness that it's a normal biological function, but there's always those people who say, well, that's easy for you to say, but I couldn't feed my kids because I had issues, like it just didn't work or it didn't happen. And, you know, there's the side where we don't want to push people because then we, we want them to do it, but if they can't do it, we, we don't want them to get too upset and then try to push through through pain. Like, do, do do physios kind of come into it there as well? Yeah, I think that I think that it comes down to to being sensitive and empathetic with with people's needs and people's existing beliefs. Um, so if if you're seeing a patient who's pregnant with their second baby and the conversation comes around to to lactation and breastfeeding um, and the patient says, well, I wasn't able to do it with my first baby, you obviously don't want to make any judgmental comments that will potentially put them offside. But, you know, there's a lot of fantastic evidence about the fact that um, for their own health, if they are able to do even any sort of of lactation after the baby's born, um, that it can have um, a preventative effect with certain cancers, with osteoporosis, with um, with um, cardiovascular disease as well. So there's a whole list of things that we could use to promote the benefits of lactating for the mother, but then also talking about some of the things that make it beneficial for the child as well. And then maybe, you know, asking some, some further questions about, you know, why do you think lactation wasn't successful for you the first time round? And a lot of that comes down to the the beliefs and attitudes of close family and friends. If a woman has a partner who's not supportive of her lactating for the baby, then that will have a big impact on her decision on whether to, to lactate and breastfeed the baby or not. Um, um, if, a, if a midwife in hospital has potentially caused a very unpleasant um experience for the woman then that's something that might put her off or even even um the idea that her milk supply isn't enough to feed the baby might have put her off in the first place and i think with physios because knowing understanding anatomy understanding anatomy and also um understanding pathophysiology it may it does put us in a really good position to give people advice on some of these conditions so our role is not just helping them when they end up with a problem but it's also promoting and educating them even before any problem arises 
Yeah, that's right. And there's there's a great statement that's in the manual for the lactating breast course um, that says that, you know, in, in order, for example, in order to make Australia the, the healthiest, most successful country in the world, what would we need to do? And one of the most important things is providing um, antenatal education for each pregnant woman and providing fantastic follow-up care and home visits and also the the total 100% support of the idea that for her to lactate and for the baby to breastfeed is is a very important thing and the world the world health organization supports um, exclusive um, lactation for the baby for the first six months and then trying to continue that for at least two years. So there are large bodies of evidence to support the benefits of, of breast milk. And not just for the baby and gut health, but also, like you said, the biological or the physiological processes that the mom has to go through in order to lactate. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, Laurie, I think something that you and I have probably had a, a fair bit of experience with with patients that we've had is is the experience of chronic pelvic pain due to endometriosis. And for women who do have endometriosis, if they can sustain lactation for a period of time after they've had the baby, even once they do begin menstruating again, the fact that they're lactating for the baby can actually really help to decrease some of their symptoms. So, you know, that's like a, a long-term pain relief um, solution for some women. Oh, because that, that's just um, kind of playing around with the hormones then, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So other than mastitis, which I might actually get you to explain what that is in a second, what kind of other issues can physios help with that might come up with boobs? Yeah, well, there's um, there's engorgement, which is something that can happen in the early days or weeks after having a baby. So while your body is still trying to work out how much breast milk do I need to provide for this baby, you know, for the first six weeks, your brain's not even really aware of how many babies you had. You 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 may need to only provide breast milk for one baby, but if you've had triplets, you need to try and um, provide breast milk for three. So that first six weeks, sometimes you do get a bit of engorgement and an oversupply of milk. Um, so, for example, um, sometimes the use of things, it's and it sounds like a bit of an old wives' tale, but sometimes the use of things like the cold cabbage leaves in the fridge can be very helpful, or even using um, a cold pack um, after the woman has, has fed the baby can be helpful for symptoms as well. Using very gentle lymphatic or effleurage techniques can be very helpful for engorgement. Um, another can condition um, that's, um, that, that I've been reading a little bit about from um, a Canadian association um, is Yay, yay for Canada. There's a, there's a doctor there's a doctor in Canada called Jack Newman who runs the international oh international something lactation. I did have it right in front of me a second ago but now I've forgotten it. Um, are you talking about Lale- like Lalesh? Does that have to do with the Lalesh league or whatever? Um, so it's a doctor called Jack Newman and a lactation consultant called Edith Kernerman. So they they've had a, they have a website that you can look them up on anyhow, but they kind of put together an idea for a completely different um, breast condition, which is called mammary constriction syndrome, which is basically in a nutshell and and 
issue where the symptoms can cause um, a huge amount of nipple pain and breast pain due to vasoconstriction. So one of the treatment strategies that they recommend on on their website is doing pectoral muscle massage and also pectoral muscle stretches to help ease some of those symptoms. So if you can imagine if a, if a new mother is experiencing a lot of pain due to vasoconstriction in the nipples and breast, then she's probably not going to feel like continuing or persisting with lactation. So simple things like pec muscle massage and stretches is another area, obviously, that as physios that we'd probably be experts at. So, well, actually, let's take a step back. Can you then explain what mastitis is? Yes, I'll, I'll give it my best <laughs> shot. Um, so mastitis, mastitis, I guess, really is, is a, an older term for inflammation of breast tissue. So there could be there could be different causes of that. And, yes, one of the causes could be that something has gotten into the breast tissue that's caused an infection that would then potentially need antibiotics to help resolve the problem. But you can also have inflammation of the breast tissue without any sort of infective process going on. So I'll give you a really simple example. Someone's just had their first baby and they've been in hospital and they've developed a little bit of engorgement in their breasts. And for people who don't know what engorgement is like, um, engorgement is basically feeling like your breasts are very full, that they're bursting, that they're almost about to explode. So you've got these very full tight breasts. Um, In the middle of the night, you might be trying to get the baby to attach to your breasts so that you can lactate and the baby can breastfeed. And you might be pressing into the side of your breast with your thumb to support the position of your nipple. So maybe that thumb has been in place for 10 minutes. Maybe it's been in place for longer. But the actual actual milk ducts inside the breast tissue are so fragile that with that pressure from the thumb, you can actually occlude them. now here's where people get the sometimes wrong idea that a blockage in a milk duct is a bit like a pimple and we need to squeeze it out. What you've got to understand is that the milk ducts are a little bit like a paper bag. They're fantastic for transporting the milk, but they're not great storage containers. So what's going to happen when that milk builds up behind the thumb pressure? The milk is going to slowly leach out through the walls of the milk duct and then you're going to get an inflammatory response. You're going to get macrophages that rush to the area and cause a lot of of inflammation, swelling, redness, pain. And for some women, when they start to get these symptoms, that's when they can start to feel like they've got high temperatures, like their whole body's aching. They've got a headache. They literally feel like they're getting the flu. So with mastitis, when you've got that type of inflammation process going on, that's where we can then introduce physiotherapy techniques. For example, a lot of women might be told that if they've got a blockage in a milk duct, that they need to massage it very firmly towards the nipple in order to squeeze the milk out. And that can potentially cause more damage. So instead, what we want to encourage them to do is very gentle, pain-free breast mobilisation techniques, like I mentioned before, maybe the effleurage to help clear some lymphatic fluid. Um, You know, 
asking them, well, if you put something warm on it, does it make it feel better or worse? Or would you prefer to use something cool over that area of the breast? Because there's really not a huge amount of evidence with those cryotherapies as to what's going to make the, the best, the, you know, the biggest difference. And then there's also in our in our therapeutic toolkit the use of, of massages, I mean, of, of therapeutic ultrasound as well. Um so, but the biggest thing, the biggest thing that we should be encouraging these women to do is to rest because that's how their bodies are going to recover from this process. So I hope that answers that question all right. Oh, it definitely does. And I remember I think I've had a, a bout of mastitis one time and literally I was sitting there feeding Rylan, who's now seven and a half, and within – I was fine and within – two seconds, I just was like, oh my God, I think I'm getting sick. I think I've got the flu. I feel terrible. And mm. I, ha- I had known about therapeutic ultrasound from work I had done in Canada with the, the physio clinic that I was at there, EPA, woohoo, shout out, the Canadian. <laughs> um, and they had, yeah, it, they had given me some information and I had seen a couple patients and we did some ultrasound. And so I was on my way to do some Pilates course at a physio clinic and as soon as I got there I'm like can I just use your ultrasound and I just put on whatever settings where I don't even remember what they are now and um yet within I think five or ten minutes I just had this nice stream and then I didn't feel sick anymore I was like this is wow so are there is if we come back to ultrasound are there specific settings like is there research supporting settings or is it all kind of clinical trials or how, how does it can you tell us a bit more about ultrasound? Of course, and I think that you know, I mean, I, I don't, I don't have you know, names of papers or years of papers or anything sort of imprinted in my mind the way that Melinda Cooper does. But basically, um, there was a, a clinical study I think back in 1987 which looked at. Um, sham ultrasound, so placebo ultrasound on breast tissue versus a very, very low dosage of pulsed ultrasound on breast tissue versus a control group. And the outcome was that either of the groups that had the treatment, whether it was the sham treatment or the pulsed ultrasound, showed an improvement. So any sort of ultrasound was better than none at all, but there wasn't a huge difference between the sham ultrasound and the pulsed ultrasound. So basically you could say that we don't know whether it was the actual therapeutic ultrasound that made a difference or whether it was the movement of the sound head over the inflamed breast tissue. But from that study, um, they concluded that... um, that therapeutic ultrasound doesn't make any difference at all with mastitis or inflamed conditions of the breast. So basically there was a there was a period of time where people were saying, oh, that doesn't make any difference. Ultrasound effect is placebo. Let's not use it anymore. Um, but what Melinda Cooper is trying to do with Donaghetti's in Perth is to actually bring some good quality evidence forward. And, and there's a lot of, you know, I think we all have to um, acknowledge that clinical experience with certain modalities tends to help us, tends to help guide our use of those modalities. Um, there are some certainly very good case study articles which show the effectiveness of of, um, therapeutic ultrasound. But on to settings, basically the idea is that we want to use a continuous output because with the sound waves, we're trying to not only provide a bit of micro-massage, but also to try and break down the cell membranes to help resolve the inflammatory condition. So a continuous output as 
getting it to a level that feels warm but comfortable for the woman and then, you know, in terms of length of time, you know, some patients I've even used it for up to 15 minutes on. And I think because breast tissue is very well vascularized, it has a very good capacity to sort of handle that level of intensity and, and, and diffuse the, the, um, the heat out through the tissue. That's interesting because that, that you were saying like one of the, you know, an important thing that you can do is the effleurage. And so, yeah, that's obviously also what the ultrasound head is kind of doing, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. It is having an effect on the lymphatic flow as well. Wow. That's cool. Any other um, interesting, fun things about mastitis that physios can help with? Uh, look, I, I really think that you know, coming back to our understanding of anatomy, if you if you have a good understanding of the anatomy of the breast tissue, one of the most important things you can say to women is stop wearing tight bras because seams and underwires and things can potentially cut into that breast tissue. So if you've got a patient who's just recovering from a bout of um, a, a breast inflammation, then for them to go and put on a tight bra and go out for the day is probably the worst thing they can do. They need to, as I said earlier, they need to be at home resting and allowing their bodies to heal. One of the prime times for them to get a recurrence of mastitis is you know, in that first seven days. So some of them might start to feel dramatically better after a day or two, or like you said, Laurie, after using the ultrasound once, but you don't want that to give you a false sense of security. You don't want that to make you think, oh, yep, everything's fine. I can go to mother's group today. I can invite people over on the weekend because any of those sorts of you know, stresses on the body, whether they're physical or mental, can certainly, you know, add towards the mastitis or the inflammation coming back again. So how does women exercising fit into all of this? So postnatal women who are breastfeeding, who, you know, let's put pelvic floor aside, who are okay to go back into exercise, um, are there any particular bras that they should wear or shouldn't wear or anything that they can do? Like does exercise affect milk supply or dysfunctions that we might need to help with? No, look, there, there, there have been some studies that have looked at um, different levels of substances in the breast milk after moderate to high intensity exercise. And they've found that um, moderate to intensity level of exercise has no impact at all on the volume of milk produced, no impact at all on the quality of the milk produced. If anything, women who do regular moderate to high intensity exercise had a better fat percentage in their breast milk. Um, I think that if you think about comfort though you probably wouldn't want to go and do anything too bouncy before you lactate for your baby <laughs> so I think for comfort you would probably want to um, offer the breast to the baby before you exercise there is a there is a Melbourne um, physio who has come up with um, a range of very supporting bras for for women who are lactating and of course, again, I haven't got her name right in front of me. Um, I know that Maya now, though, stocks one of those particular brands, but I think it's a matter of going and looking at bras that 
feel comfortable when your breasts are quite full and when you take it off you can't see any little telltale signs of indents in the breast tissue um, from um, from the bra itself. I think one of the brands though, actually one of the websites is um, – is Zodi and they have a pretty good range of different bras on them. Whatever kind of bra or crop top or even singlet you choose to wear when you are lactating, you've just got to think about those key points. Is it is it comfortable? Is it leaving any indents on my skin? Does it fit me when my breasts are full? And does it still feel comfortable after a feed as well? What other conditions other than engorgement and mastitis? Is there any anything else that physios tend to help with with respect to to boobs? Yes, breasts, correct term, but boob, boobs are more fun. Oh. I know, boobs, boobs are fun. <laughs> but I think if you think about some of the other more musculoskeletal conditions that might impact on a woman's decision to continue lactation, for example, um, someone who's had... Um, a forceps delivery and has some perineal trauma with some suturing post-delivery. I think that maybe sitting on a firm chair in hospital is something that would put them off attempting to lactate for their baby. So that's where physiotherapy can look at positioning. So a lot of a lot of obstetric ward physios will be aware of encouraging women to recline or even lie down on their side to to, to lactate for the baby to breastfeed. That that's going to be a lot more comfortable position for the perineum. Um, that whole that whole paradigm of sitting up straight backed in a chair to feed your baby actually dates back to a 1930s advertising campaign for formula. So prior to that, you would have found things, for example, like um, in the Victorian age, they would have had specific breastfeeding chairs, which encouraged women to lean back into a more reclined position. Um, So you think about other postnatal conditions like coccidinia or pelvic girdle pain, if those are something that's preventing a woman from being able to feed her baby comfortably, then that's something that physiotherapy can address. And even things like neck and thoracic pain as well, or carpal tunnel symptoms and decur veins, these are all musculoskeletal conditions that we are very well placed to um, to treat and manage. Wow. And on your, um, on your course, because I know phys- we're not dietitians or nutritionists, but we have a role in educating on healthy choices or options. Was, did they discuss anything with respect to nutrition that we can educate them on that's helpful for, I don't know, just for breastfeeding in general or? Uh, look, I, th- I think that, um, Melinda as a physio is, is aware of not wanting to include too much information in the course that could potentially come from, um, you know, from other allied health members. But, for example, there is a belief that the more water you drink, the more breast milk you'll produce, which is a, which is a fallacy. The more water you drink, the more you're going to overload your bladder and potentially <laughs> cause some issues with continence. Um, there are each each culture has um, beliefs about things called lactagogues, which are substances that might help to boost breast milk supply. So some of the common ones might be stout um, or beer, oh, yeah. um, like a stout beer. Yeah, fenugreek is another one. Um, so every culture has got some different different sort of lactagogues that they might try and advise women um, to include in their diet. But 
I think, you know, in a perfect world, wouldn't it be lovely for that first six weeks after having a baby to come home from hospital and to be, this is one of Melinda's terms, to be um, covered by a cloak of care. So you think about almost that village mentality of looking after the mother so that she can feed the baby. Um, So having someone bring you soup and nutritious food and, and regular drinks to keep you hydrated. A lot of women these days will go home from hospital with their babies and they'll think, oh, well, I have to clean the house and I have to cook dinner for my visitors who are coming over to play with the baby tonight. And I have to get back to the gym and get back to work. Yeah, I have to get back into my skinny jeans and I have to be a yummy mummy and I have to be the world's best this and that. And I think that if we looked back if we could get back to basics and think, let's have six weeks of lying in where you beg, borrow or steal help from family members, from friends, um, even there are private service, private services available where you can have people come to the house to look after you, someone come and give you a massage or someone come and clean the house for you. I know that in France they have a great setup um, through their health system where new mums can have a cleaner for six weeks or, or, you know, have a child health nurse come to the house regularly to keep an eye on things. I think that would really be the perfect level of support for a lot of new mums. Yeah. So in terms of in terms of nutrition, no, I don't have any other pointers. Well, so Melinda's done a level one, but there's also a level two out there, isn't there? Yeah, well, under the APA, um, like the for example, the course that was just on this weekend is the introduction to the lactating breast for physiotherapists, and Melinda's going to be running an advanced level weekend in Melbourne in August sometime. I don't have firm dates for that yet, but the first day of that course will be open to as many people as possible, um, even if they haven't done the introductory course, to come and hear um, to come and hear presentations by um, a pharmacist, by Dr. Lisa Ramir, who's Australia's um, leading um, breastfeeding researcher, and also um, Professor Donna Geddes, who's the the radiographer that I mentioned from Western Australia. The second day of that course is actually going to to be smaller workshops, and numbers will be very limited, but that will be um, Donna Geddes showing people how to use real time ultrasound to look for problems in the lactating breast and that's going to be really interesting to learn that more or less straight from the horse's mouth oh wow that's really cool and is it going to be like can you use you know the old school mind rays or is it all 3d 4d now Oh, well, I think that, you know, there are, there are mind rays and then there are mind rays. So some of the newer mind rays out, the, the technology has certainly changed a lot. So I couldn't tell you specific models or, or anything like that. Um, but I think that you, 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 want a, you want an ultrasound that gives you a nice, clear picture, sort of up to that four to five centimetre depth. Um, but that second day of that advanced course will only be open to people who have actually done the introductory course and they're going to be very limited spaces. So for anyone who's interested in that, I think they need to be aware of booking in as soon as it's advertised. And I think you forgot to mention in your bio introduction about your role with the APA. Can you tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> oh, sure. Um, well, you were, you were the one, Laurie, that introduced me to the Queensland Continents and Women's Health APA Committee. So I joined that um, 
like this is this is now this is now my this is now my fourth year on that committee. So I had my first year, and then at the end of that year, um, Sue Kohler, who was the outgoing chair, said, "Kath, I think you'd be great as chairperson." And I said, "No, Sue, I only just joined the committee." And she said, "Go on, have a go." So I was chairperson for two years, which involves um, running the meetings and doing the minutes and agendas and things, but also trying to gently encourage people to take on responsibilities. So we we run um, regular lectures and courses throughout the year. And now this year, I'm the Queensland representative on the national level committee. And as you know, Laurie, you're now the chairperson. <laughs> so I obviously did a good job coercing you into into taking over that role. Oh, poor Sue. She's like, hmm, Laurie's been here for years and years and years. Kath is new. I'm going to pick Kath because <laughs> we all know Laurie's organizational um, dysfunctions, but I'm learning. It's a good It's a good learning tool. And I'm so glad that I have you who's done it for a couple of years to kind of <laughs> guide me because I'm still like, please hold my hand. Yeah. And I think what the the lovely thing is that it's not so much about experience or confidence, but just that passion. I think we all have a, a, a very strong passion for women's health. So that enthusiasm comes in, comes across in whatever we do, even if it's not at a particularly high level, <laughs> I think that we, we certainly have a lot of passion. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, is there anything else that you feel people need to know about boobs? I mean, really, we could just do a podcast on all the different names of boobs, but we won't do that one yet. We could. <laughs> that would be fun. I'm sure. I'm sure Anthony would enjoy I that. No, we'll do a ten minute tidbit with him sometime with just the names, different names that you could call boobs. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, well, I think that. If you're a physiotherapist who's interested in these conditions of the lactating breast, then, you know, Melinda's running the course again in June in Adelaide. So by all means, go to the APA website and book into that course because I can't impress upon you strongly enough how how important that that type of education is, but also that effect that we can then have on the general population. If you're a physiotherapist who hasn't done the course or hasn't got the time to go and do the course, then try and find out in your city or area other physios who do have that skills because if you've got a patient who comes in and they're trying to see you for one condition but they also mention that they've got mastitis, then perhaps you can refer them on to someone who can help them a little bit more with that condition. So I'd just, you know, encourage all physiotherapists to remember that a lot of the chronic conditions that we're looking at, which are only going to increase over the next 20 to 30 years, that lactating for your baby or as a baby breastfeeding from the mother can can definitely be a huge preventative measure. Nice. Yeah, we won't even go into the... um the types of things that breast milk can help with with the baby. Did you guys learn all of that on your course as well? Yeah, yeah, we did. Okay. Oh, yeah, so we'll we have did. to do another podcast on the benefits of breast milk. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Sounds good. The, the good, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yes, <laughs> but it's all good. <laughs> so, can is there a way that people can contact you if they have any questions, or if people are in Brisbane and they want to come see you? Is, how can they find you? Yes, well, I'm um, I'm I'm on Facebook and um, and a member of that Australian Physiotherapy Facebook page, Australian Physiotherapy 
women's, men's and pelvic health group. I'm also contactable via the Queensland branch of the APA. So if you get in contact with them, they quite often send me off emails saying someone would like to speak to you. And do you know um, on our APA, um, where you're trying to find different physios, on the find a physio, um, are there, there isn't, it just really has women's health physio. It doesn't say if we specialize in breasts or anything, does it? No, it doesn't, unfortunately. Um, we're trying to set up a bit of a network. Everyone who completes um, Melinda's course, we're trying to set up a bit of a network between each other. So, for example, if someone in Sydney hears that someone in Adelaide needs a physio for an inflammatory breast condition, then they can sort of refer the patient on. Um, but um, I also, like my my current full-time job is is working at a Queensland health facility which is which is basically all um, pelvic health so continence issues or prolapse or pain but I'm also um, doing just some limited hours at a private practice close to home in Manly as well so that's Manly physiotherapy and Pilates and that's Manly in Queensland right Yes, Manly in Queensland, not Sydney. I don't commute for work. No. Oh, perfect. Oh, that was so good. I just want to keep chatting with you and asking you hundreds of questions, but um, I'll keep it nice and short and sweet. So thank you. Thank you so much for, for coming on and sharing your time. Not a problem. Thanks a lot, Laurie. All right. See you later.